0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of John Thiel Masbach. We hope it inspires you and pray this message will bless you. We are talking about the season of Pentecost. And I don't just want to reflect back and just look back as I'm in a museum looking back to something ancient something in a glass cabinet that looks so beautiful, but it cannot have any oxygen because then it would corrode and it would disappear. No, my friend, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is alive today in the church, the true church, the living church of Jesus Christ. And we see a mighty revival of Pentecost all around the world as believers are seeking the Lord, As they are on their knees, on their faces before him, he is pouring out Pentecost. He is pouring out the Holy Spirit in their lives today, and it's making all the difference. And we need it. Oh, we desperately need it. I tell you, I would not want to live without the power of Pentecost in my life, and I surely would not dare to preach the gospel or to go to any nation to proclaim Christ without knowing that it is the Holy Spirit, the unction, the Holy Spirit's anointing on my life that is working in me and through me. Let's directly read that famous portion of Scripture that we are so most likely to read in these days, but you can read it all year round. But let's read it in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And when I read it, I don't want you to just think back of those days of old, but I want you to say Amen, Amen, which means, yes, this is how it is, so is it. And believe that this is for your life. This is what God is doing in you. He is pouring out the Holy Spirit in you, over you, in your marriage, your family, your ministry. Hallelujah. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What a mighty portion of Scripture for us today. And again, I want to tell you, this is not some ancient script of the past. This is something that is relevant today for the church of Jesus Christ. Well, we are talking about signs of the season. It was Pentecost, and there was a great need of it. The Lord comes when there is a great need for him to come, and there was a great need for him to come. It was Pentecost. It was a great celebration. They were celebrating that feast, that harvest feast that was given in the Old Testament. And there was an unusual big crowd, the Bible says, on that day of Pentecost, when they all gathered together in Jerusalem. And they had come from all parts and all around, speaking all different kinds of languages to celebrate the celebration of. Of Pentecost. And there was a great need at that day. Jesus had died. Jesus had risen out of the grave. Jesus had ascended unto heaven. And those believers, they were there. They had the assignment upon their lives to go into the world and to preach the gospel. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus told them, he said, go into the world. He didn't tell them just go through Jerusalem and and, and to Israel. He said, go to every nation, go to every tongue, every tribe, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. He had given them a humongous task. Oh, I tell you, what a challenge. There in olden days, they didn't have airplanes. They didn't have internet. They didn't have telephones. And yet they were given the assignment to go into all the world. And to preach the gospel to every nation. What an assignment. I tell you how impossible for them to fulfill that assignment. The Lord asked them something that was just impossible to do. But you know, he knew it was impossible for them. But he also knew what he was about to give to them. He was about to pour out the Holy Spirit in their lives. And that would make all the difference. When the Lord gives you an assignment and that assignment is so impossible. Yes. Oh, praise God that it is impossible for you to do. If you could do it in your own strength, with your own wisdom and talents, you didn't need God to do it at all. And it would not be a work of God. It would be a work of man. We are not doing a work of man. We are not just doing what is possible in the natural sphere. We are in the work of God. We are in the work of doing the impossible. Hallelujah, my dear friend. But how can we do it without the anointing and the power of Pentecost? I hope you start to see in your life how desperately you need the power of Pentecost, how you need the anointing of the Lord upon your life. I tell you, maybe you say, well, John, yes, well, I don't have the assignment to go all around the world. I don't have to go to India or to some other nation to preach the gospel so I don't need that power of Pentecost as you need it. You're wrong, my friend. You could not reach your neighbor without the working of the Holy Spirit. You could not reach your family without the working of the Holy Spirit. Oh, don't think that you can work in your area without the Holy Spirit and you can bring people to salvation. We cannot bring people to salvation. We cannot save anyone. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. He saves people. Oh, it is through the blood of Jesus and the accomplished work of Jesus. And it's the Holy Spirit that works that in the hearts and in the minds of men. And we can only seed people with the good life. We can seed them with the word of God. And then the Holy Spirit can do something. He can speak through us as we give our mouth as we give our tongue to him to work through, but we cannot do it. Oh, you cannot reach no one. You cannot do anything without the working of the Holy Spirit. So there was a great need in that day of Pentecost when we think back of it so many thousands of years ago, but also there's a great need today. And there's a great need around the world, but there's also a great need for every individual believer for this working of the Holy Spirit. So it was Pentecost. There was a great need of the working of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. There was an unusual crowd and multitude that had gathered together. Oh, we know Peter when he was sitting around the fire and they said, you, you were also with that Jesus. Well, he denied Christ three times. How could that same Peter unchanged without the power of Pentecost Stand up on the day of Pentecost in his own strength and power and preach to that great, huge multitude that had gathered from all these nations to celebrate Pentecost. He could not have done it. If he denied Christ at that fire, that campfire, when that maid accused him of being with Christ, I tell you, he would deny Christ now in standing in front of that multitude. But there was something different. There was something that had changed. It was not Peter standing there in his strength. No, he had found out that in his strength, he could not do it. But now there was Peter who denied his own strength, his own talents, his own wisdom. And he was standing there in the power and the unction of Pentecost. He was standing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he boldly stood up and he said, this Jesus whom you have crucified, just think of that he was saying that there in Jerusalem, this Jesus that you have crucified, yet the Father has chosen him to be the Savior of mankind. You need to repent. And it says every word that came out of his mouth was like an arrow that hit the mark and it pierced the hearts of men. And at the end of his speech, of his preaching, they all cried out and they said, oh, what must we do that we will be saved. And 3,000 gave their hearts to the Lord. It was so impossible. Oh, just as impossible as it is today. And it is as possible today as it was possible in that day when there is the Holy Spirit working. Oh, my dear friend, God comes when there is a great need for him to come. And then it says something important. It says... They were all, and the new translation says, together in one place. But the olden translation says they were all in one accord in one place. Being together in one place does not bring us always in one accord. It doesn't mean that we are all in one accord. It says they were all in one accord. Oh, because of the crisis, the corona crisis We could not have gatherings in our church buildings. We were all scattered in our different houses and we had to celebrate Easter and celebrate Good Friday with communion being scattered in our different houses. But yet we were in one accord, one accord. or we had the live stream and we were watching the meeting as it was going on and everybody had supplied themselves of some wine or or or, or grape juice, and they had the bread. And as we were celebrating it, each and every family in their own house, we were yet in one accord because we were one in Christ, one heart, one longing, one spirit, one name, the name of Jesus. We were not in one building, but yet we felt we were in such unity because we were in one accord in Christ. Oh, some people, they are all together in one building, but there is such discord oh one is fighting for his rights here one believes that he is better than the other there one is angry because he believes the scripture should be differently explained and the doctrine should change and oh there are so many things that are dividing the church of jesus christ and that's why we are lacking the power i want to say this again because of all the divisions that there are in the churches of Jesus Christ because of so much flesh that we make so spiritually. Oh, I'm writing a book, The Difference Between Flesh and Spirit, because some people, they call spirit what is flesh, and they call flesh what is spirit. They don't know the difference anymore. And how can they? Without the revelation through the Holy Spirit, they don't know it anymore. And so they are constantly fighting And there is so much division and then they ask themselves why is there no more power in the church Oh, the secret of this season is that god had brought them together and yes it was also a crisis that had brought them together yes they had followed christ which is the number one reason that they were together but the crisis when he had died and they fled and they were all together hiding in a different place it had brought them together and now because they were in unity, because they were in one accord, the Holy Spirit could come down. Oh, my friend, I want to ask you, are you in discord? Are you constantly fighting? Oh, I don't want to wash the feet of the people. Let somebody else take care of that chore. I don't want to do this. He should do it. I'm this, he's that. Oh, stop it in Jesus' name. Oh, lay aside all those things that are bringing discord Oh, give it unto the Lord and come into unity again. Kneel together in front of the altar. Kneel together in your marriage. Kneel together again in your family. Don't let one stand and the other stand and rise up against each other. But kneel humbly before the Lord and come into one accord. It says they were in one accord and in one building. It is so important for us to know that if we want to experience revival in our family, in our church, we need to come into one accord and we need to lay aside all those things of the mind, of the flesh, which is not giving glory to Christ. And when it comes to it, it's not building the church at all. Well, they were in unity. They were in union. They were together. And what were they doing together? They were praying together. Oh, can you just imagine what would happen if we would pray more together? Oh, we have our days of prayer. Many start the new year in prayer. We have our times of fasting and prayer, maybe one week or or, or three weeks as a Daniel fast. I don't know. You have all these different things that churches are doing. But can you just believe what would happen if we would continue in prayer? if we would persevere in prayer, if we would not leave prayer until we would have received what we are asking for. I tell you, something would change. I think you would agree with me. Don't you have to agree? I think so. I think you would have to agree with me. If you just think back, what if on that day I didn't watch that movie, I didn't go to spend time with my friends or family, but I would have stayed on my knees and I would have prayed. Something would have broken. Something would have come. Something would have changed. I think we can all agree on this. And I just say, Lord, oh, help us to stay in prayer and in an attitude of prayer and in thanksgiving Oh, when we are in our car, that our radio will not be tuned to all this negative news or amusement that's going on. But be tuned to spiritual music and singing and worship, and we would be praying and praying in tongues and praying in the heavenly language, I tell you, something would break, something would change. If we would come home and spend time again with our wives, with our husbands, with our family, in prayer again, something would change. Well, they were together in prayer, but they were not just praying like some people have an automatic prayer. My father always said, John, if that's the way you pray, just record your prayer on a CD or some digital way and just play it over and over again because there's no heart in it. A prayer needs to come from the heart. But they were praying with a secret ingredient that we need today, and it's called expectation. There was a quietude of expectation that adds something. When we add Expectation to our supplication, something happens, something changes. I think the greatest shock people get around the world is when their prayers are actually answered. They didn't believe it. They didn't thought it was possible. They were praying for it. Oh, for days, for months, for for years. But when it came, they were surprised. And they just could not believe it. Just think of that. They just could not believe that what they prayed for actually was given unto them. That means there was no expectation in the prayer. We need to pray with expectation. That is a secret ingredient that is so necessary and that is so important for us all when we pray with confident expectation that what God said in his word, he will do it Oh. I'm telling you these things not to bring down your expectation. When I'm talking about seasons that God works, that you don't say, well, this is just not my season. Well, this is not the season that the Lord is working. No, I'm telling you this to build up your expectation, that when your prayer is not answered today or tomorrow or next week, that you know that God has appointed a season and that season is coming. If you'll just not give up, if you'll just keep praying if you'll keep expecting, if you'll keep proclaiming his word and his promises, if you keep looking unto him, oh, hallelujah, my dear friend. I'm telling you these things to build up your expectation. God has appointed a time to work on this earth, to work in your life, to work in your ministry, to work in your family, and it's coming. Say it with me. It's coming. Say it. Lord, I believe it. It's coming. There's a great move of the spirit coming in my family, in my friends, in my church, in my neighborhood. And I'm just waiting and I'm waiting in expectation and I'm waiting in excitement and I'm waiting in unity and I'm waiting, Lord, oh, because I know that you are on the way. I can hear your footsteps in the hallway. You are about to enter the room. You are about to reveal yourself. You are about to do something powerful, to do something wonderful, to do a new work amongst us that would just amaze us, Lord, how wonderful you are. I just want to leave you with these questions. Are you helping the Holy Spirit to move in your family, in your church, in your community? Or are you a hindrance to the coming of the Holy Spirit, maybe because of your temper? Maybe because of your mouth or your attitude of heart. Maybe because of your unbelief. If so, then I want to tell you repent today, repent today and change your ways and ask Him to help you to change your ways. Do you, in the way that you love the church, bring unity in the church? Or is there a lack of love in your heart and you are a cause of division in your church? If so, Oh, repent and say, Lord, don't let me be the cause, the hindrance, why the Holy Spirit cannot come into our midst. Oh, Lord, I I, want to empty myself. Oh, Lord, forgive me and flow in me with your love for my church, for my family, oh, for my community. Oh, I want to ask you, are you praying prayers that are likely to prevail or are your prayers just naming all the negative and all the things that are just bringing down a a, a wet blanket on revival. Oh, let your prayers, and especially those prayers that you do in the midst of the congregation, let them be faith building. Let them be positive. Let them be like Christ prayers in expectancy that God always hears you and that he will answer you. Are you expecting a blessing of God, or if you're honest, you're not expecting anything at all anymore. Oh, because of this world crisis, so many people, oh, in one way, yes, I'm glad for they're saying Jesus is coming back soon, but because of this, many are not expecting God to do anything anymore in our days. They are just expecting things to grow dim and dark. They are just expecting darkness to prevail. They are just expecting the church to go into hiding and to leave every stage where they can proclaim the gospel in public, and they are just already themselves in hiding. Oh, my friend, are you expecting a blessing in our days? Are you expecting the Lord to come with the Holy Spirit as He came on the day of Pentecost and to bring revival in our midst that a multitude will be saved again? Or are you just in so much disbelief that there is no more expectation in your heart for God to be able to do anything miraculous in our days? Oh, repent of that and say, Lord, help me to believe, help me to expect again. Oh, I tell you, Are you a robber of the glory of God? Oh, this sounds very heavy. You know, when somebody steals gold, silver money out of the treasury of the church, we would say he is a thief. She is a thief. Oh, you're not just any ordinary thief. You haven't just stolen from man, but you have stolen from the things of God. And that would be a terrible thing. But you know, many times we don't think about it how we can steal the church of the presence of God. And I believe that's even worse than stealing money from the offering plate. Oh, when you steal of the presence of God, by being a hindrance for God to move, by being a hindrance for God to come down. Maybe God wanted to visit your church, but you were standing there in your pious spirit. Oh, you were there with all your religiosity. You were there with all your righteousness, believing it should go this way and that way, bringing division in the church. Why? Why? And that was the reason why God could not come and move in the way that he wanted to move. Maybe you were so unexpecting oh, that you even became a part of the sin of unbelief and you were there in the midst of the church talking that you don't believe anymore for the Spirit to come. You don't believe anymore for a harvest of soul. You don't believe anymore for a revelation of Christ and a revival of the Holy Spirit. And thus you became a hindrance and you became a robber in the church of the presence and the movement of the Holy Spirit. I tell you, repent, my dear friend. Repent and ask the blood of Jesus to cleanse you and to forgive you and go to your knees and say, Lord, I don't want to be a robber of your glory. I don't want to be a robber of what you would want to do in the midst of your congregation. Oh, I want to give myself to become someone that you can work through, someone that you can use as a channel of your glory and your goodness. Oh, I need to stop and I need to pray right now. Oh, Father in heaven, I pray for all those that are listening Oh, I know most of them, they will be longing for a movement of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And I pray, Lord, that you will come down in this season of Pentecost as they are waiting upon you, as they are in one accord, as they are praying and praying with expectancy. Oh, Lord, suddenly come down in a mighty rushing wind, Lord, and blow through their spirit. Let the breath of God blow upon their spirit. Upon their mind, let it bring something wonderful new in their life that they will rise up like Peter on the day of Pentecost and boldly proclaim Christ to this world, to their family, to their colleagues and students. Oh, Lord, I pray for them. I also ask, Lord, for those that have become a hindrance of your presence and of your moving in this day. Oh, Lord, that you will bring them to repentance, that they will go to their knees instead of being an obstacle, Lord, that I will become a promoter, that I will become a channel of your glory, your light, and your goodness. In Jesus' name, Lord, forgive us for all those days that we were working against you, even when we thought we were working with you. And Lord, let us truly become an instrument in your hands, and let the power of Pentecost, bring the change in this world today, that the gospel of Jesus will be proclaimed, not through the power of man or the wisdom of man, but through the utterance and the power of the working and the unction of the Holy Spirit, so that multitudes will come to Christ in this day that we are living. And I thank you, you will do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Do you wish to listen to more messages? Go to themessagestation.com. Also visit us at maasbach.com.